Welcome back, everyone. I am super excited about today's episode, so I'm going to try and keep this intro short because I just want to get y'all into the conversation that I had with this week's guest, Mackenzie Dejani. So Mackenzie is, I don't even know how to explain this woman. She is just so incredible, Um, and she is actually the lead therapist. She is a licensed professional counselor at Revitalist. And when I learned a little bit more about what it was that Revitalist does, I was extremely interested in having Mackenzie come on and talk about this new age psychotherapy approach to counseling and mental health assistance and all that fun stuff. This is not something I think we've ever talked about on the show. It's not something that I was even super familiar with prior to this conversation with Mackenzie. So y'all are going to kind of hear me learn with you. We're going to learn together today. I am so unbelievably grateful for Mackenzie. One, just because of the work she's doing in the mental health realm um, and how she's supporting her clients and how she's opening these conversations. But I'm also so grateful that she was willing to come on the show and talk about it. So we are going to talk about a lot today. I don't think there's any necessary trigger warnings. We are going to talk about psychotherapy. um, And with that, kind of the addition, I I feel like this is going to really spark some people's interest or I'm either going to I'm going to either lose you or you're going to be really excited about this. We are going to talk a little bit about psychedelic medicine in terms of treatment for mental health. And no, I'm not talking about like dropping acid on the weekends and having a trip. That's that's not what this conversation is about. Um, However, we are going to talk about using ketamine as a medication to support the betterment of mental health. Again, this is not something I was even aware of prior to learning about Revitalist, learning about what, what it is that Mackenzie does there, um, and then having this you know conversation with her to learn about it a little bit more and dive a bit deeper. So keep an open mind. Listen to what she's got to say. She is such a just a phenomenal, intelligent woman. She is so well-spoken. It was such a great interview. I just, I'm so excited. So I'm going to stop talking. We're going to take a couple deep breaths and then we're going to get right into this episode. So just like every every other episode, we are going to start with a full body scan. We're going to take some deep breaths. So start from the tippy top of your head. We're going to scan all the way down to our toes. Really check in with yourself. Feel everything you're feeling right now. Relax your jaw, relax your neck, your shoulders, your chest, your stomach, your abs, all the way down to your toes. Relax it all and take some deep breaths with me. In through the nose, out through the mouth. And again. All right. And I feel like we're ready. I hope y'all are ready because I'm ready. Let's go. Live and in stereo, it's Shay Ashley with main character energy. I am joined here by Mackenzie Dejani, 
who is the lead therapist and ketamine assisted psychotherapist at Revitalist. And we have we have a lot to talk about. But before we get too deep into it, I know that you have an extensive background. Um, you have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in clinical clinical mental health counseling, and you also are now officially a licensed professional counselor. Um, So I'm interested, like, what sparked your interest in psychology and why did you decide to continue your education in mental health? Awesome. Um, Thanks for having me, Shay, by the way. Um, And yes, I'm the lead therapist at our Bethesda, D.C. location um, at Revitalist. So what sparked my interest in psychology I naturally am a people person. Um, I've always been interested in understanding why people do the things they do, why I do the things I do. Um, And so it all started in my sophomore year when I took an AP psychology course. I absolutely loved it so much. I remember vividly chapter two of the book started talking about neuroscience and everything was just so fascinating. I literally had like, as part of our assignments, we had to outline, you know, every chapter But of course, me nerding out, I went above and beyond and I photocopied all the diagrams from my textbook into my notebook. And I basically created like my own new textbook just from everything I was soaking in and and learning about. So that is what sparked my interest in psychology. I absolutely loved it. Throughout high school, I was kind of the person who would mediate conversations, um, like always kind of tried to be a peacemaker, um, was that person that, you know, people went to for advice or help with things. And so I kind of kind of naturally fell into this role um, of helping others specifically with personal and interpersonal issues. Um, and so in college, I studied psychology with the goal of eventually going to grad school to become a therapist. And my passion never died. So by the end of college, I decided to go to grad school. And that's where I got um, my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And I knew I wanted to go the counseling route and get licensed. Um, And so yes, I just finished up my residency, which was about a two year process. And now I'm licensed and I finally feel like where I'm supposed to be. (laughs) That is amazing. So Prior to high school, and I, I feel like psychology is one of those things where you don't know you love it until you like take a class because yes. what what kid really grows up going, I'm going to be a psychologist. But on the <laughs> off chance, when you were a kid, were your aspirations to like be a doctor or do anything like in the medical-ish field at all? Absolutely not. I actually, up until high school, I wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> um, I just loved the ocean so much and I still do. Um, But I realized that kind of a job as a marine biologist wasn't what I was interested in. And I was able to, you know, have that passion elsewhere. Like, you know, when I go scuba diving or, you know, on vacation and visiting, you know, different coral reefs and things like that. So I still get to have my fix there. But I really, after taking that psych class, realized that psychology is was my calling and, and where I wanted to be. Wow. And that's, that's so intriguing that you said that because we had a guest on a couple weeks prior to you um, that is currently pursuing a master's in psychology with a focus in neuropsychology. And she said kind of the exact same thing you did. She was like, yeah, I took an AP psych class in high school and fell in love and knew that that was what I needed to do. Yes. (laughs) So I think that's just really like such a good point about the importance of offering classes like that to high school students. Absolutely. 
Um, so I, I know you had briefly mentioned that you just wrapped up your residency, which congrats. That is a huge accomplishment to now be a licensed professional. Um, but can you talk a little bit about like, that's a lot of school to go through. What does that process look like and how did it, you know, maybe help or hurt your own mental health? Absolutely. So, um, the residency process, when you want to become licensed as like a, a therapist, a mental health provider, um, you have to go state by state. So if you want to work in Virginia, you have to get licensed in Virginia. If you want to work in California, you have to get licensed in California. And each state's regulations are a little bit different. And being in the Northern Virginia area, it's really tricky because we are kind of in this DMV area where you could be working in Maryland or DC or even Delaware or Virginia. And we're so close that you really could be working across state lines. Um, And so because of that, I chose to get licensed in Virginia because it is the hardest state, um, you know, in the DMV, as well as just among the other 50 states. Um, It's one of the harder states to get licensed in. Um, And we don't yet have reciprocity where if I'm licensed in one state, I can go and work in another. You still have to get licensed in that second state. Um, So I chose to get licensed in Virginia for that reason, um, which meant more work up front. But um, so after I graduated from grad school, so 60, 60 credits, basically two to two and a half year program, depending on how you split it up. And then residency um, for Virginia, you have to have 4,000 clinical hours. Um, So 600 of those can count from my internship um, during grad school. So technically it was 3,400 that I had to do. And of those 3,400, 2,000 of them had to be like client face-to-face, like direct hours. Um, And then my other, you know, 1,400 could be doing charting, researching, um, you know, making phone calls, things like that. Um, But luckily I was in, luckily and not luckily, I was in the hospital setting, which meant I was going to get my hours very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like you said, it, it definitely takes a toll on your mental health. Um, But for me, what was important was getting through residency as quickly as possible. And I knew I wanted to have that hospital experience, um, you know, under my belt to know what, what it was like for someone having to go into the hospital system, Mm -hmm. um, an inpatient or just partial hospitalization program, um, as well as having experience working with people in those crisis situations or people with, with more complex conditions. Wow. And if, if I'm understanding the timeline correctly in my head, it sounds like you are going through that residency kind of during like the peak of the pandemic. Did yes. that pose any unique issues that you might not have been totally a hundred percent prepared for? <laughs> Absolutely. So it, the pandemic did slow down when I was hoping to be done with my hours by a few months because surprisingly, um, you know, even mental health hospitals had to make cuts, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though the right, the regular hospital system, you know, for them, you know, they were super busy and everything because of the shutdown, people were less likely to come to inpatient or partial hospitalization treatment mm-hmm. for mental health, even though we were still open, like I was still in person the whole time. Um, but because there was kind of this worldwide shutdown, we had fewer people coming through our doors even though the need was likely 10 times greater. Um, And with, with kids, adolescents, teens, not being in person in school, they don't have those other set of eyes on them from their teacher or their guidance counselor. 
saying like, oh, something's not right here. Like we need to get you extra treatment. Um, you know, we weren't having those extra referral sources. So for a few months, my hours were cut in half. Um, but then I was able to pivot and change departments. And I actually transitioned to work on the eating disorder unit because a full-time position had opened up. So then I transitioned to working with eating disorders, which was not something I'd ever expected. But again, you know, I was in residency to learn and that was going to be a learning experience. So very shortly after I switched um, departments, my hours picked back up again and I barely skipped a beat after that. Wow. Well, I mean, that's good that you were able to pivot. I, I just know that like so many people in, you know, the health industry, whether it be mental, physical, whatever, it's been an insanely difficult couple years. I think we've all had a tough time the last couple years. Um, But specifically for anyone working in healthcare, I know that it's been absolutely crazy. So I commend you for pushing on and (laughs) where you are now. Um, So I I know I did a little bit of digging on you. um, (laughs) And I know that you have a very unique and holistic approach to intervention. And on top Mm -hmm. of that, you're a certified yoga instructor, which is so cool. So I'm interested, (laughs) how does that, you know, that understanding of yoga really enhance your understanding of the mind and body connection? And how do you apply that to intervention? Absolutely. And I, you know, I come from a background where I've always been passionate about health and wellness. And specifically, as I got older, being more holistic in my approach to to just life in general. Um, And so when the opportunity presented itself to go through yoga teacher training, I 100% took it because I knew it was going to help me in the mental health field. Um, Even though I don't practice as a yoga instructor, I, I did it mainly for being able to use it, you know, in the mental health setting, Mm -hmm. Um, because I truly believe that the mind, the body, the spirit are all so interwoven and connected, even though oftentimes we look at each of them in like their own little box, um, when in actuality, they're all in the same box together. Um, And I've even noticed in my own life, just how interconnected they are. Um, You know, if I like am thinking something, that makes me angry, but I don't realize it. And I'm like gritting my teeth and I realize, wait, I'm gritting my teeth. What's going on? And it's like Mm -hmm. the, the, the body and mind are already connected, even though I don't even realize it. Um, so I really work with clients on incorporating mindfulness into their daily life. And that doesn't necessarily just mean meditating or yoga or having a specific practice. It's, it's more about, you know, those are wonderful things and I would recommend them to everyone, but it's really about just working on being present wherever you are, present in your body, present in the moment, present in whatever room you're in or if you're outside and just kind of taking everything in. I think it's really easy for us to get so focused on the future or the past, which is oftentimes where mental health um, struggles arise. And I feel like it, this is simple and much easier said than done. But if we really were more focused on just being present, and being mindful, a lot of the mental health that we're struggling with would maybe not dissipate, but it would, it would lessen in the intensity or how important we saw it as. That is so true. And I agree. It's easier said than done. Um, I will be the first one to say that I am very much someone that because I struggle so significantly with anxiety, a lot of my issue is just, I'm so focused on the future. I'm so focused on what could happen, what should happen, what may potentially happen, what will happen. Like 
I'm always focused on the 10 steps in front of me and not just where I'm at currently. And that's mm-hmm. definitely like a huge struggle of mine that I have been trying to work through in therapy for two years now. Yeah. So for someone like me that kind of struggles with that mindfulness and being present and in the moment, is there anything, you know, tools wise that I can kind of keep in my pocket? So if I throughout the day, I'm noticing that I'm really, you know, not with it, and I'm focused on all of the things I shouldn't be, what can I do to kind of pull myself out of that and like center myself and remain present in the moment? Absolutely. That's, and that's a fantastic question. Um, I, my biggest thing is, or a tool that I give people often is I call it five, four, three, two, one. And you may or may not have already, you know, heard this in your own therapy, but um, basically a, a very easy and tangible way. And you can do it wherever you are, which is so cool. Even if you're on like a crowded bus um, is looking around you, taking in everything and notice five things that you see four things that like you touch or feel. So it might be the seat you're sitting on or the sweater you're wearing or how your shoe or sock feels on your foot. Um, so we've got see, sight, touch, um, three things you, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? <laughs> Is it three, here? three things you hear? Three things you hear. Yes. Three things you hear, two things you smell, and then one thing that you taste. Um, and basically that just gets your mindset into all different sense, five senses, mm-hmm. which helps bring you back into the present moment because you are focusing on what each of those senses is experiencing in that direct moment. That, so I've heard, I've heard it before. I feel like I've tried to do it in the past, but like you, I often get to, I get past like the five, four and then I'm like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. um, so that was a great reminder of how to go about that. And it also kind of triggered this, this memory I had of being a kid in the doctor's office mm-hmm. and, and very anxious. And my mom would play I spy with us yes. to kind of get us to calm down before the doctor came in. And it just kind of dawned on me that she was almost kind of doing what you're suggesting of like, okay, let's focus on where we're like, where we are and like, the fact that you're safe, like you might be Mm -hmm. a little fearful, but like, it's okay. Like, let's play I spy. What can you point out in the room and kind of distract us, but also keep us involved in our current environment at the same time. So that's beautiful. Absolutely. And I feel like so many things from childhood, whether it's like blowing bubbles or just simple things like that, I have used in the past with clients for like coping skills or kind of going back to the basics and um, you know, I, I don't think that these games or tools were invented just willy nilly. I think there really was, you know, intention behind it. Um, even if, you know, we don't necessarily see it or notice it right away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, oh gosh, I could talk about this stuff all day. I'm so <laughs> intrigued about you becoming a certified yoga instructor. I know you said you don't like practice necessarily you aren't like you know hosting classes or anything Mm -hmm. but what that process look like because I know there's like don't you have to have like a hundred hours or something crazy like that of practice so part of my certification we did 200 hours of um like instruction practice whatnot so the entire training was 200 hours and then if you wanted to be a um so I'm technically a 200 RYT, registered yoga instructor. Now, if I went after that and actually 
worked somewhere and taught classes, I could have counted those hours. And I think it's once you hit 200 teaching hours, then you can be an RYTE, which means registered yoga teacher experience. Wow. So for someone who's kind of starting out in yoga, because I love yoga, I've been doing it for several years now, but I feel like I'm always trying to get friends into it. And like, mm-hmm. especially guy friends, I feel like they don't totally understand the benefits of yoga. Yeah. What would you say to someone that is kind of new to like yoga and mindfulness to kind of ensure them that it's really not as scary as it sounds? <laughs> Honestly, what I would say is just see what you think. I mean, I think we oftentimes have these like perceptions or um, stereotypes about yoga or mindfulness or meditation or whatnot. And when you actually experience it and try it out, it oftentimes is totally different than whatever preconceived notions you have around it. And I remember in college, um, when I was consistently going to yoga and hot yoga, um, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, um, came to visit for a weekend. And I said, we're going to go to a hot yoga class together. And he goes, are you serious? And (laughs) you just have to go once. And if, and if nothing else, you're going to get a really good sweat out of it. And he loved it. He came out of class and was like, I legit feel like a newborn baby. And I'm like, that is basically what it feels like every time you do yoga, hot yoga. It's just incredible. Um, so if you are out there and like skeptical, um, my husband was a skeptic and now both of us are like, okay, we need to get back into our yoga practice again. And we're, we're trying to find a studio that both of us can go to. I love that. And I feel like, especially for, for men, uh, a lot of times they're like, oh, like yoga is just stretching. And if I'm going to get a workout, like I want to go to the gym and I want to sweat and like you sweat when you do yoga. I walk out of classes sometimes and I'm like more sweaty than I am after lifting weights. So it is a full body workout, but it's also a workout for your brain too, which is so fascinating and so important. Absolutely. So we know that you are a licensed professional counselor at Revitalist and Revitalist kind of focuses on the use of cutting edge and evidence-based treatments for mental health and pain condition management. Mm -hmm. You guys do a lot but I'm specifically interested in learning more about the future-centric treatments. Um, I guess more specifically the psychedelic medicine aspect of it. I am so intrigued. Absolutely. So yes, I I get chills every time I talk about this because I can't believe that this is my job. (laughs) If you had told me that like, this is what I would be doing with you um, for a second, Um, (laughs) especially because I was the person in high school who was like, Oh, like I'm not, I I would never do any drugs or anything like that. Like drugs are bad and whatnot. Um, So I definitely had prior to learning about this, I definitely had this stigma um, against psychedelics. But what I have come to realize and experience and what we are doing with um, psychedelic medicine, more specifically with ketamine is that we are able to combine the best in medicine with the best in mental health to be able to treat um, treatment-resistant conditions like depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, um, and even we're able to address um, chronic pain, which oftentimes people with chronic pain go their entire life just from treatment to treatment, not really finding much relief. Um, So it's just been amazing in seeing how ketamine, learning about how ketamine impacts the brain. And if, if you're listening and you're hearing ketamine, you're like, wait, 
isn't that like and isn't that anesthesia or isn't that a horse tranquilizer <laughs> um <laughs> so yes it is used in animals but animals and humans we are both mammals so the way it works in animals is similar to how it works in humans so that's why it can be you know cross-used but um we use ketamine at sub-anesthetic levels so um, I am able to be in with folks while they're getting, you know, their ketamine infusion. And what is amazing about ketamine is that it, it kind of puts you in a dissociated state, which can be, you know, terrifying, especially if, if you have anxiety and you are someone who like wants to control the situation. Um, but it really helps to break down those walls that we naturally put up whenever we think about traumatic experiences or sad experiences or just difficult things we've been through. You know, we have this natural response where we put up a wall because we want to protect ourselves. And so the ketamine allows for those walls to be broken down um, in order for us to be able to process and talk through it in session. But at the same time, ketamine is working in the brain to stimulate glutamate, which helps um, like the, I don't know, I won't go too neurosciencey on on folks, but glutamate helps increase neuroplasticity in the brain, um, which means that your brain is able to kind of work better and function more or function properly. Because when we're stuck in ruts of anxiety or depression or PTSD, our brain is in a constant flight or flight or freeze mode. Um, so it's not really able to think and work properly. So, and because it's constantly in that state of stress, the dendrites or the neurons in the brain are not firing as quickly as they should be or as properly as they should be. So with us being able to increase the amount of glutamate in the brain, we're able to kind of rewire the brain to start to think. Um, I don't want to say normally because I hate that term, but we're able to think in a healthy way again. Um, so when we're stuck in moments of anxiety or depression, you know, we play these reels in our head or these tapes um, about, you know, negative ways that we view ourselves or negative ways that we view the world. And the more we think about it, the deeper those ruts in our brain get. Kind of like if you're thinking about, you know, a wheel on a path, the more that wheel goes, you know, on that path, it's going to keep digging and digging that rut deeper and deeper. And the deeper that rut goes, the harder it is to get the wheel back on track. Um, and so the ketamine helps to allow those wheels to get stuck out of the ruts and back on track again. Wow. That I just, that's crazy. Um, in the coolest yeah. way, I'm just, I'm so fascinated because I've never heard about this before. Mm -hmm. I felt like a couple years ago or may maybe more than that at this point, it was so groundbreaking that people were being prescribed medicinal marijuana to support yeah you know, mental health and stuff like that. And now the fact that we're involving psychedelics, I just think it's, it's so impressive how far we've come, not only with mental health specifically, but in what we're offering people as an opportunity to support them and say like, here's, you know, something else you can try instead of just falling back to, I don't necessarily want to say tried and true because it's not always the truest. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like for a while it was like, you have, you know, you can take Xanax every day or, you know, we can put you on lithium or something like that. And now having other options, I just think is so amazing. But yeah. from my understanding, it's not that this is a prescription. You're not prescribing people ketamine. They're coming into your facility and they're getting treatment there. Is that correct? 
Correct. Yes. And that's actually the most amazing part about it because with, with psychiatry, you know, you're giving someone that prescription and hopefully they're going to take that medication as prescribed. Um, but oftentimes, you know, people try so many things, um, they decide to like self taper off of a certain drug or they just stop taking it altogether, which with certain um, psychiatric medications can be really detrimental. So the fact that we're able to treat people here in the office, we have eyes on them the whole time. We know that the, that the amount that they're getting is the appropriate amount that they're going to be getting, um, you know, that it's not, it can't get messed up. Um, and the amazing part about ketamine versus traditional psychiatric medications is that psychiatric medications have around a 30 to 33% efficacy rate. Wow. Um, and ketamine, ketamine alone without the psychotherapy piece with it, ketamine alone is in the literature indicates that it's 70% effective. What? So it's more than twice as effective than traditional psychiatric medications. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh I have struggled because, I mean, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression when I was 17. And the first thing they did was try to put me on medication. And yep. I've tried a number of different things and they work for a hot minute. And then before I know it, the side effects are far worse than the symptoms I originally was going to get medicated for. Yes. And then the only answer is, oh, well, we'll give you this other pill. Yep. So I've now been unmedicated for probably almost three years now, mm -hmm. which isn't something I would recommend for everyone. There are definitely people that benefit from being on, you know, an active regimen of some sort of medication when it comes to mental health. Mm -hmm. However, I did not find that that was the best option for myself. Yeah. So this is something that I, I just think is so interesting. However, I know that with my anxiety, sometimes being in a dissociative state, mm -hmm extremely anxiety inducing. So I'm interested from your perspective and we don't, again, we don't need to go into specifics or anything. Is there an ideal candidate for something like this? Like, is there something that you would say to someone where it would help them to identify whether or not this would be something that they should consider trying? Absolutely. So usually, um, ketamine is, is amazing for treating depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, chronic pain, OCD. Um, and usually, you know, before folks come into our office, we have them do a consultation with our um, nurse anesthetist. So the nurse anesthetist is the one who is doing the actual um, infusion. You know, I'm, I'm not going to step outside of my wheelhouse and, and start administering um, <laughs> anesthesia. <laughs> um, so they'll meet with our nurse anesthetist or, you know, whoever we have on staff who's trained and and who can, you know, provide the consultation, but really we, we want to make sure that folks are the right candidates as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you have experience with anxiety, depression, um, PTSD, and you've tried, you know, like you said, like other forms of treatment, like therapy or psychiatric medications, you know, you would be a candidate for, for, um, for ketamine. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to, you know, say that everyone should do ketamine, you know, it, it is, um, we do have to have a screening process and, and there's, you know, things we have to consider. Um, but it really is, you know, it's, it's been amazing to see just how people's lives have been transformed once their brain is able to be in a healthier state again. Yeah. I, 
I know there have been several times over the past couple years, just like many people, where I have felt like I was hitting a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you pull yourself out of it and all of a sudden you're right back there. And it's just been, it's been a really difficult couple years. And as much as I have battled with the idea of going back on medication, I always come back to the fact that I just simply didn't trust it. I didn't want to have to take a pill every day. And knowing that in the past, I didn't have great experiences on it. It made me not want to try that again, but Mm -hmm. I also don't want to give up on my mental health journey. And if there is an opportunity to use some form of medication to try and rebalance what is so um, imbalanced in my brain is like, that's so important to me. Um, Absolutely. And, and I will say too, that the difference in terms of how we at Revitalist do things, there's, there's plenty of just regular ketamine clinics out there and, and they're just administering the, the ketamine. They're not doing the mental health piece. Um, you know, ketamine is still effective on its own, like I mentioned earlier, but Oftentimes what we're seeing is, you know, if someone's getting ketamine treatment and they're kind of by themselves, it can, depending on, on what they experience, like it, it can be unnerving. It, it can be scary. So to have someone in the room with you who is a trained professional to help kind of guide you through that experience, as well as have someone to process whatever is coming up for you, um, you know, it's so important. And, and, Ketamine allows for the brain to kind of open up the floodgates in terms of what you need to let go of, what you need to release in order to find that healing. And so to have a therapist there with you, processing through with you, making sure you're safe and and reminding you that, you know, you're safe and everything's okay, you know, it's it's so important. And, and I've had countless clients come in and say, you know, I'm just so thankful that you were here. I can't imagine doing this, you know, just by myself without anyone there. And, and I, I couldn't imagine that either. No. Yeah. I, that was like my first thought. It was like, God forbid you're just like in a room alone with your thoughts. Like that's one of the scariest places to be when you struggle with mental health. Like my brain is not always the safest place for me. Um, and I don't know why, but I had this image pop up. My mom, several years ago when I was in college, I came home and I was really struggling. I was having a tough time. And she was like, I booked us a day at a spa. I'm thinking massages. I'm thinking I'm getting my nails done. No, we went to one of those places that had the deprivation tanks. Oh my gosh. Um, And so it's literally just like a bunch of salt water and you're in this pod that is completely dark and completely silent. And they stick you in there for like an hour. And (sighs) I didn't know that that's what I was walking into. And they're like, okay, so you're going to go ahead and get in here. And I was like, what is happening? And I had a full-blown panic attack. I was like, this oh my is gosh. terrible. What is happening? Like, I don't want to be in here. And I get out. My mom's like, so how was it? I was like, I never want to do that again. Like, yeah. That was so scary. Um, I'm sure for some people it's great. But for me, that experience was just, it was too much for me. So the fact that you're able to sit in a well-lit room and guide (laughs) your clients through this process and make sure that they're comfortable and that they feel safe. Um, That's so important. And I love that Revitalist is doing it differently. You all took the next step to say, how can we make this the best experience possible? Absolutely. And, and something that, you know, that's really important to us at Revitalist too, compared to what we've seen at other ketamine clinics is that, you know, we, we're not a cash cow here. You know, we really want to see people healed and transformed so that they don't have to come back to us. Whereas what I've heard and seen from other clinics is that 
you know, they put you on a regimen where you, you are on a schedule and you are consistently coming back for more and more, which, um, you know, for me from like a substance use perspective, I'm like, I don't know how, how beneficial that is. If, if someone is constantly coming back and back and back versus having this amazing experience and being transformed and able to move on with their life. Um, so I would say, you know, if, if you are thinking about ketamine, like do your research in terms of like what type of clinic you're going to, what mental health resources they have there, um, as well as like what the expectation is after you've done whatever infusion series they have for you. Is there is there this expectation for you to keep coming back? Um, or is the expectation of, you know, if you feel like you need a booster every now and then, you know, our doors are open, but, you know, you want to be going to, or I don't want to say you, I would want to go to someone who wants me to be healed and doesn't want me to have to keep coming back. I completely agree. I love that you said that because I've, I've felt that in the past from psychiatrists and counselors and doctors where they help me to identify the issue, but it's almost like they only help me to solve it enough in the moment that Mm -hmm. I need them. Yes. Um, And that was, again, one of my issues with like the medication is it just, I felt like I was on this endless cycle of taking pills that didn't really make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And not only is that expensive and not an option for people that don't have health insurance, um, but it's just kind of exhausting to feel like you don't have autonomy and control over your body. Oh, absolutely. Um, So I, I know that there is so much stigma surrounding mental health and treatment for mental health. Um, But from your perspective, what do you think is, you know, what you want to focus on in terms of the stigma that you're determined to expel as an LPC? Absolutely. I mean, I think, and I hope after COVID more and more people are seeing this, but we all need mental health treatment. Like we all need, none of us are perfect. None of us are Superman (laughs) or Superwoman. Um, You know, we all need help from time to time. And, you know, the, the severity levels of that change in different seasons, but, you know, even me as, as a mental health professional, I've been in therapy, I've been in individual therapy, I've been in couples therapy, and it is, it is so valuable to have someone who is objective, speak into your life and have this view of your life and help guide you through it and noticing patterns that you may not see um, to help make you an even better person or an even healthier person. Um, And I think specifically what I am dealing with now in in my role at Revitalist is, you know, the stigma against psychedelics, ketamine, and, you know, people have this perception of psychedelics and they they think of a rave or a party they've been to and whatever bad trip that they've been on or they've seen a friend go on. And, and that's scary. Absolutely. That's terrifying. Um, and something that is really important to us, you know, in, in the psychedelic space in terms of mental health treatment is set setting and dosage, you know, making sure that they're the right candidate for, for what we're doing, making sure that they're in a safe space when they are, you know, dissociating, making sure that someone, a professional is there with them while they're dissociating and making sure that they are receiving the appropriate amount of medication that they're being given. Because oftentimes, you know, when people have quote unquote bad trips, 
it's because the dosage, well, it's because all three set setting and dosage were not, were not taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. Um, and so something that we talk about here at Revitalist is there is, there is no bad trip. You know, if you experience something negative while you are in treatment, oftentimes it's something that you were supposed to experience or experience and then let go of Mm -hmm. in order to find healing on the other side. But if you're just out on the street, you know, doing ketamine or whatever psychedelic, you know, and you have a bad experience, that's not a healing space. Um, And so we are all about, you know, healing from the inside out, healing holistically. um, And the ketamine is is just a catalyst for that. And it's been truly amazing. And as, as someone who did have this like negative view of psychedelics before, you know, that stigma of my own has now turned into, you know, like such respect for the healing benefits that there are with psychedelics if they are used properly in the right setting with the right people. Yes. I think that that is the most important thing to note here is that like, just like any drug I'd like to say, like it can, there are benefits to it. It just has to be just like weed, the same thing with weed, like uh, medicinal marijuana is only as beneficial as the rules you set for yourself when using it, like making, Mm -hmm. using it at the right time with the right people. And you're only using the amounts you need. Same with ketamine. Like you really shouldn't be going into a K hole at the bar on Friday night. That's not going to help you. That's not full is here. Um, But that was, that was, I mean, beautiful. Like I, I can hear how passionate you are about it just in your voice. Um, And I'm so appreciative that you were willing to come on the show and talk about this and let the listeners know about these new amazing options in terms of treatment for mental health. Uh, Before we wrap up, I ask everyone at the end of the episode, if you have any advice or any lasting words of wisdom you would like to leave for the listeners. Oh, that's a good one. Um, And this might be lame, but I think it's a theme that has come up for me a lot this week in terms of the clients that I've been seeing and I just want people to remember that you are your own worst critic. Um, You know, oftentimes we get so caught up in what other people are thinking or feeling about us. And oftentimes how we are viewing ourselves is 10 times more negative than, than what anyone else is um, thinking or or feeling. So um, just remember to give yourself some grace. I love that. I think that is great advice. I think that is a great way to leave this episode Thank you so much, Mackenzie. I am so excited to see where your future is taking you. I know you're going to do big things. I am so unbelievably proud to just even know you, um, let alone have you on this show. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Cher. I really appreciate you being on this and, and having this open space to have discussions like this, because I think the more we have discussions like this, um, the less stigma there will be around mental health and, and cutting edge treatment like psychedelic therapy. Absolutely. That's why we do this.